come to kindergarten class. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today her, we're going her to... mother. Yeah, hi mom. <laughs> <laughs> My awesome mom. Today we're going to talk about behavior management. Which is a good topic for a mom and a daughter because you've been managing my behavior my whole life. <laughs> yes, well, well, one thing you probably learned from being my daughter is I never change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long, long it is ago true. when I got my um, first degree at, B- at Brigham Young University in child development, I learned from a professor how important it was to only make threats that you could follow through that you can keep (laughs) (laughs) yes only make a consequence that you knew you could keep and so i and taught us how you never cave after you've made that consequence so yeah uh, i never changed my mind ask one million times the answer is always going to be the same and i think this is great to transfer into the classroom i think it's a real important strategy to have as a teacher yeah, well, you know, if you say you're going to do it, you have to do it. Can you talk a little bit about setting well, boundaries? when you have you? a cow, you want to build a fence. <laughs> what? <laughs> when Why are we talking cow, about cows You want now? to have a fence. <laughs> and when you have children, you want to have a fence. Because a fence, <laughs> a fence keeps you nice and safe. It's just... You grew up, on, grew a up farm, on a farm, didn't you? And so the farm analogy... But everyone does better if they're in a fence. And a fence are just the boundaries that you have in your classroom so the kids know where your buttons are. (laughs) They want to know, um, can I do this and this and this and this? So, yeah, I think setting boundaries is really important. And what does it look like when you set boundaries in your classroom? Is it an explicit thing or is it an implicit Uh, thing? It's probably a little bit of both, but mostly explicit I want to, at the beginning of the year, like we talked about on our other podcasts, at the beginning of the year, I want to set all my procedures and rules, and I go through them very slowly and succinctly and review them because I want the kids to know this. Are, these are my expectations and these are the boundaries. Now, I think also it's just like human nature of everyone. You soon get to know the boundaries implicitly of people because you know they can mm-hmm. see yeah i mean we're people and so they soon realize mm-hmm. hey wait a minute that's not a rule but i know she doesn't like that <laughs> <laughs> so what about at this point in the year when uh if you need to review your boundaries what's a good I way to do i think that it? it's really important to know that you can stop what you're doing and review behavior at any time I think if your class are your class is seeming um, overactive or they're becoming a lot of bullying is going on or um, I don't know what do you call that riffraff behavior stuff yeah or, or there's, <laughs> there's riffraff, riffraff behavior, behavior going, going on, on. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you just need to give yourself license to stop at any time and review review rules, review procedures, 
And I think you need to make sure at this point that you take the emotion out of it. Because I've heard a lot of teachers, you know, stop and review rules in like a highly escalated voice with a lot of emotion. And I think it's really important that when you're doing these reviews that you take your emotion out of it and use it just as a review and a very much upfront, these are my expectations. I had a moment today, I had them try a brand new center we'd never tried before. And because it's getting close to the end of the year, I thought that I could just tell them, this is the new center and this is what we do. And it would work perfectly. And then we were doing centers today and I realized, wow, I did not explicitly give them any boundaries for that center. I'm going to have to go back and talk about that center some more because I just (laughs) assumed that they would get it and figure it out and they did not. You just, you really can't ever uh, assume. (laughs) You really just can't assume that kids are going to know the rules naturally because honestly, you know, let's admit it, they're kids. <laughs> and they're <laughs> always going to choose the wild way <laughs> of play. <laughs> because that's their natural instinct. Well, because they don't know they don't it's a know wild it's, way to play because you never told them. It <laughs> it's just they don't know. And so sometimes I think yeah. that's a good point. So you just have to know when you have to stop and start over. Because if you don't stop and start over, uh, the next day just gets worse and it builds and builds and builds and builds and soon it becomes <laughs> those disruptive classrooms that we all have seen or maybe have even had that are unbearable. <laughs> I think it's also important to remember to stay positive and to focus on the good things that your kids are doing and not mm-hmm. the negative things that are going on. And even to give expectations in positive ways you know instead of saying don't run in the classroom say we walk Mm -hmm. in the classroom i like um for that example i like the speed limits walk i can't remember what teacher i heard doing that one time but i it was way early on in my career that um, her way uh, when a kid was running she would just say remember the speed limit and I just thought that was such a great positive <laughs> way of doing it and she even had a little sign in her room that says our speed limit is walk and I just you know and that's mm. that's true you just need to keep positive and and now that I say that to students you know they just stop immediately and and start walking because it's just a gentle reminder So we need to remember that when kids are misbehaving, they're generally an underlying factor behind the misbehavior. I've just heard somebody say before that kids behave well when they can. So it's not kids misbehave to be naughty. Something is... Yeah, something's... Something is stopping them from behaving. Because kids will behave well when Mm -hmm. they can. So if they're not behaving well, you have to find out what's going on. What's what's the obstacle, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, that's what, what you're talking, talking about. about. So I think that if we remember that, that the behavior generally has a cause, it helps us be more positive towards the student. Because we don't want to add to the stress that they have for one reason or another that is generally an outcry of a misbehavior. I know that a student that I work with right now in my reading interventions, 
he is mm-hmm. definitely a behavior problem and in, in everywhere in the school and he comes into my room and he's not a behavior problem and so I really have been thinking about it a lot because why why is he not and I thought well okay in my room we're working in by himself or in a small group of two or three and all the work I'm doing is on his level or with highly scaffolded support and so mm-hmm. In that room, he's feeling, hey, I can do the work here. I don't have yeah. to have avoidance yeah, behaviors. As, because so exactly. I so I think that a lot of his behaviors are that, avoidance behaviors. And I think we see that in a lot of our students, that it's frustration of the curriculum, frustration of, um, of what you know, peer interactions, it's frustration of something that might be going on at home. And so if we remember that kids aren't naughty, if you will, kids aren't naughty on purpose. There's some reason Mm -hmm. that they are frustrated into that behavior. So I think that that helps us stay positive and we're focused on helping the students. So one thing that lends to positive um, behavior modification is Mm -hmm. I have a timeout Mm -hmm. tower so when a student is disruptive or you know bugging the kid next to him or you know the minor infractions that need to be corrected immediately I have a timer and it's just a one minute sand timer that the kids go over or the kid goes over and I do I don't even uh, verbally tell them I just do the timeout signal in sign language and point at them I just and, hand it to them. Lindsay hands Here you go. it to them. And they go over <laughs> Have this for and a second and then come back. And watch the sand timer. And then when it, the sand timer runs out, they just return. And I found this to be so effective. And the kids, they really honestly think it, think it lasts 200 minutes. They, they start tapping <laughs> it and wiggling it because, you know, they want to return back to the activity as soon as they can. But that one minute is just enough time for them to reset. And I think that's one way to stay positive is I don't even need to really talk to them. You know, they they know yeah. why they went to timeout and they are now in charge of correcting their own behavior. And they come back and and probably one out of 300 times I've had to go to another level with um, their behavior. What is your other level when yeah, you have to well, go to another level? Well, probably going to their seat for a longer time out or if I were at the carpet or... Uh, have you ever had to come up with a like a behavior plan, like a parent-teacher behavior, parent no, behavior plan? No, because I am plan? so anti those. <laughs> that would take a whole <laughs> podcast. I can't stand them. <laughs> and I have a lot of <laughs> reasons why, so... Tell me. I want to know. Do it <laughs> no, right now. take forever. I think they're terrible. No, I think tell me. They're meaningless, pointless, a waste of a teacher's valuable time, and have little value on a child's behavior. Why? Oh, you're, you're, you're just going to keep digging, aren't you? Well, I want to know. the smiley, frowny face one. 
Why did the child go over to their desk and color a frowny face? You go color yourself yeah, a frowny I had, face, I had Tommy. To, you were a frowny I know, face today. I, I had to do that for an IEP last year for a student. And every time that I would point at the frown for him to color, I, it would just, I mean, it broke my heart inside. And he just sat there and would just, the demeanor of him when he colored that, I just can't do that to a human being. So I hate them. <laughs> I will I will never use them. And my new job um, earlier this year <laughs> that I <laughs> I don't want to met <laughs> that we won't talk about. Part of it was that I had to do that with every student and I just could I I can't. I can't do them because I'm sure other people possibly love them and have had better experiences, but I've taught uh, over a thousand children and I have never seen it work. So uh, I a while ago, when I was at a Title I school, I had a, which I'm not now, but when I was, I had a student transfer in at the end of the year, like March or April. And when he transferred in, in his file was a huge stack of parent-teacher behavior plan stuff that he'd been doing at his previous school. Huge stack. They just passed it on to me so I could continue doing it. And I put it in my drawer and I told the parent, you know, if we need this, we'll pull it back out later, but let's just see how he does. Never pulled it out again. Never looked at it ever again. And he was fine. He was a little bit of a pill, but he was fine. He didn't need that. Didn't need to be coloring frowny well, faces every day. I kind of think day. it starts. It I was think fine. It escalates the problem because it's you're continually calling attention to the problem instead of modeling correct mm-hmm. behavior, setting high expectations, and you know I don't want to have this a blanket thing because I know people use them and I know people have success with them. So I think it's just... Right. Well, we can't... You can't make you know, blanket statements in pers- teaching because everybody <laughs> yeah. has their but own in my things that life, work for them. I cannot use them. I, with good conscience, I cannot use them. But do I want to have kids have be held to high accountability? Sure. I um, mm-hmm. really have high expectations for students. And I think sometimes kids just step up to your expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of the behavior management plans that have been out in the world, and thank goodness we're moving away from them, because we know that that the whole clip chart thing is going away, and thank goodness, because so many of these behavior plans were just so focused on the negative and reinforcing, you know, every day that, that squirrely, squirrely Joe, who likes to wiggle and talk to his buddy, Every day that he has to put his clip on red because he likes to talk to his buddy and then go home and tell his mom he was on red again. Like that's not that's not helping anybody. No. You know? I'm... He's he's a talkative kid. He's going to want to talk to his friend and he doesn't need to go tell his mom he's well, yeah, and, I don't know. And I'm sure but I've I think that's changing on, the, on this podcast and I've talked about my home ec experience. <laughs> and have I you? don't know. And, you, you know, I honestly think that 
Tell me I about your home ec because experience of my experiences again. as a child. Tell me about your home ec experience again. <laughs> it's those experiences again. as a child that has probably Tell me about your home ec experience again. Tell me the story oh, you again. You want me to bear my soul. I do. Please bear <laughs> oh your gosh. soul. Oh. Or do you not want to because you're afraid like San Pete County Police Department will come <laughs> no, and find you? God, I will be arrested. You'll have to come and bail me out. <laughs> Tell the story, please. Oh, Tell well, the story. I had a teacher in Homeac and she had a clip chart type system of, uh, for behavior. And I like to talk. I was a really talky person. <laughs> Okay, I probably still am a talking person. <laughs> and I was really social. And so she would put, every time you even flinched in her class or moved or talked, she would go and she had everybody's names listed in a chart. And then she'd go do a check mark by your name. It was kind of the Lee Cantor assertive discipline type um, theory on crack <laughs> because you know with Leandra at least stops at three checks <laughs> you know she just kept going and going and going she just kept going yeah, and she adding had one checks. Whole chalkboard that was dedicated to her clip chart system and so you know how long a chalkboard is right well so here's my name and I'm clear across the chalkboard with clip with things with and checks. then you know and then here's like Sue Miss Perfect with one check mm. <laughs> who's sneakily talking to me all the time <laughs> and you know that's a real name right that's yeah, really, really your friend, my friend Sue, right Sue. you didn't no, just did make, that make that up because I remember Sue, you having your friend named Sue, Sue. hi Sue. Sue Sue's amazing uh, <laughs> and so she's talking too but she's yeah, sneakier she's than smarter. you well so you know how one how as a teacher you kind of just know who the troublemaker is and the troublemaker just gets uh -huh. on your nerves I was probably that one uh -huh. but anyway I just Every day I went into that room, I I wanted I went in with defeat. Before I entered the room, I knew I was going to have a terrible day in the class. I knew I was going to get a check mark, and I knew I was a worthless soul. And so, every day for a whole school year, it wasn't even a semester class. It was a school year long class, and one. You had to take home ec all your long. I grew up. In, I was in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> we were all going to be housewives, so we had to know how to sew good. <laughs> yeah. And so it was spring. It was the springtime of year when behaviors start to escalate, <laughs> and I already felt defeated and terrible and. I had got sent home because my skirt was too short <laughs> just the day before because you had to kneal down and make a yardstick. And if it was more than eight inches from the floor to the bottom of your dress, you had to go home and change it. <laughs> These are all true stories. <laughs> I know. And so, you know, I, know. I already was just feeling terrible. And she just kept hounding on me and hounding on me with that clip chart. And one day she went over to the chalkboard to put her 
stupid check mark. And she looked at the board and turned around with this horrified expression. Oh no, I'm going to have to have them install a new chalkboard because Kathy can't keep to keep, seem to keep her mouth shut. Well, everybody started laughing and I started Aww. crying and I was miserable. And I just went home in complete defeat. I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I just had to find an outlet for my anger. And because my parents were both working nights, it made it really convenient that I could take care of my anger at night. <laughs> so I went up to the school building and I threw rocks <laughs> in her windows and broke all the windows out <laughs> in the home ec room. <laughs> and it was a big, long room, so there were lots of windows. <laughs> I vandalized because I, yeah, come and get me, please. I've never told this story. I think I've told your dad, and obviously I told you what. You tell and me what. So I went and did it, and no, it did not make me feel better until the next day. <laughs> so I go into Home Ec, and there's, there's tape all over the windows. <laughs> and the Home Ec teacher, was, somebody said, Mom, well, to the windows, and she said, I don't know, but we're going to catch them. <laughs> and I just, I think I was really quiet from that point on, and I didn't get any more check. <laughs> because I had fixed my own behavior by satisfaction. Because you didn't want her to catch you for making <laughs> Wait, I hear a police siren. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> comes the school yeah, district. No, no one from my um, Make you old pay for school the listens to our podcast. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's oh. what the charts are. They're just, you're just grinding salt in the wound. Kids already know their problems. Even when they're five, they know their behavior problems. They know when they're talking too much. They know when they're bullying other kids. And so instead of rubbing salt in the wound and making it worse, we need to help them. And we need to find positive things like Wonder Grove Kids and Kambu, com communicating with parents using the Kambu device and finding their positive moments. And I Care, and I Care Cat. Cat. Another That's great another one. Great I one. love I Care Cat. In fact, that's one of my well, very I, favorite ones, and it's so easy and simple to use. I think what you're mostly saying is that we shouldn't be punishing bad behavior. We should be teaching good mm -hmm. behavior. Exactly. That if things are going wrong, the answer isn't to just keep pointing out the bad behaviors. It's to teach the right mm -hmm. behaviors, to replace the bad with and the And honestly, good. I think if children are misbehaving and really whole classrooms are misbehaving sometimes it's time for us to stop and look within like my home ec teacher she she needed to stop and think why <laughs> stop putting check marks the on time? the word you know what is she needing uh -huh. you know maybe it's me maybe i'm a really boring teacher <laughs> <laughs> but you know we need to stop and we need to think about it and and i've seen a lot of classes that um I just feel like the teachers are making problems, the problems worse. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
I was in another setting, not a school setting, but uh, someone was talking to a group of kids, and they said to all the kids, now, while I'm talking to you, I want you to make sure you don't shout out. Now, are you ready to play this game? And then they all shouted out, yay! And then she said, what did I tell you we don't shout out? Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes we get what we get. <laughs> well, and and I, I mean, it's not to say... It's not a derogatory thing because I look at my own classroom yeah. all the time and think, okay, I I did that to myself. Exactly. And I you think, know, it's the self-reflection piece of what did I, I do to create this problem? So like my center, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like my center that went terrible today. And I was watching it thinking, wow, I did not set up that center at all with any expectations for behavior so no wonder they're all over there climbing the walls like monkeys because i didn't tell them not to (laughs) i better tell them not to do that tomorrow i better do the thing where you sit down and say this is what it looks like at this center this is what it sounds like at this center this is what Mm -hmm, exactly feels like at this center i ran out of senses Another thing is pacing of, of your activities. I think that you need to respect the kids. Their attention span is, what, two minutes <laughs> tops? I, th- I heard it's like their age. Like if they're five, their attention span is five okay, minutes. Okay, well, I think Unless it's more like really in engaged. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, there's one classroom that if the bell is going to ring at 3 o'clock, I've noticed that she starts having her kids clean up and get ready to line up at 2.30. Well, if you're going to clean up and line up at 2.30 and you don't leave the room till 3, yeah, kids are going to bully another kid. They're going to hit each other. They're going to misbehave. They're going to talk. They're going to punch. And and, um, so I think you need to realize your pacing. So keep things going. And honestly, I don't start cleaning up. If I have to be out at three, I start cleaning up and doing the lineup at five, two. Because. Or you could be like me, whose clock is slow and who keeps forgetting the <laughs> clock is slow. And the bell rings when you haven't even rang the bell for centers. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're done. <laughs> That's been me the last yeah. few days. Because my clock is slow and I needed to fix it, clearly. Sometimes I have my kids. Uh, pack their backpacks like before afternoon recess like when it's like two minutes before afternoon recess I go have them pack their backpacks because then at the end of the day it's not so hectic then then you can just yeah. make them clean yeah. up the like very yeah, or if last I'm not watching second. the clock it's not so chaotic <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite so oh it's time to yeah. go <laughs> I think another great thing to remember as far as behavior are having good transitions. Yes, because that's where we lose them is when we move from one activity to the other activity. Yeah, I think one of the best ways that I like to do for transition is finger plays and songs. I generally, every time we're moving from one place to another, I sing or do a finger play. And the kids are engaged because while we're moving or transferring to another activity, 
they're they're engaged by singing so that's kind of my transition secret is sing a song while you're transitioning mm -hmm. there's always the we're gonna go to our seats now and i want you to go like dancing yes. snowflakes yeah. i want you to go like quiet yes. mice kids love that one <laughs> <laughs> i want you to swim to your desk like little fishies yeah. Kids love that one. Another one I like to do are finger exercises. All right, let's go to our, let's head to our chairs. Let's get do our finger exercises on the way and just so they're wiggling their fingers on the way. And mm -hmm. so anytime you're engaging another part of their brain while you're transitioning, they have less downtime <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, less behavior problems during the transition. So I think another great way to um, curtail behavior problems is anticipate before the problem even happens. Everyone get that student mm -hmm. in your mind that is having some behavior problems mm -hmm. in your class. Do you know what sets them off? Do you know behaviors? Can you predict the behavior before it's going to happen? Uh, I would say all of our answers are yes. Yeah. And so yeah. think about that and try to fix the problem before it happens. I had two students that every time it was time to line up, they punched each other out on the way. So every time before <laughs> I was going to announce, like, we're going to line up for recess, I would stand up and move between the two students. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just stand, stand between, between them. them. <laughs> and then, you know, so there's just different things we can do, body positioning or, or make a sign places to line up or I did for mm -hmm. two students that couldn't be by each other. Well, another example is I had a student that did not, um, when the bell rang, they took off running the other direction and kept mm. playing and just wanted to keep getting away with that. And so I caught on to that, and so I anticipated the problem. And so every time I looked at my watch and it was, you know, five minutes before the bell was going to ring, I would go get that student and hold their hand and take them over by me and start talking to them. And then when the bell rang, they were holding my hand. <laughs> oh, so I line up now. Oh, it's time to line up. And look, oh, you're right here by convenient. me. You're right here. Look at that. <laughs> And that only took a few times. I probably only did that a week, and then they stopped um, that other behavior. They stopped doing so, it. Yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd put an yeah, end so to it. Yeah, so I think anticipating um, really will help. <laughs> well, we hope we've given people some ideas of things they can do. And not to and do. <laughs> and not to do. And we hope we haven't, like, made anybody feel guilty because we do the wrong things all we the time do, and that's how we learn <laughs> i always tell myself the best thing about teaching is that i can make different choices tomorrow yeah it's true <laughs> i mean teaching teaching is a tough profession it's a profession that's always evolving it never is the same and it's always changing and evolving and you never can do the same thing and it will work again <laughs> well well pro probably will work again yeah. but not as well. <laughs> and so hopefully we have given you some tips on behavior management and um, that and adding, I think the main thing I want to leave everyone with is we need to be positive with these students. And, you know, kindergartners, I've seen people be so harsh to them and they're five years old. I mean, they, 
Yeah, six they have years five ago, years they of life experience alive, to draw on. And, and they really deserve our love and respect and guidance. And I think the student I'm working with right now in the reading intervention has just taught me so much that if we respect the students and work with them at their levels and expect of them what they can produce for us and not more, they're going to thrive. I think you're right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, here comes the sirens. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bye. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators. By educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?